hosts of Bankless Podcast, raising $35 million crypto venture fund. Hey, that's us, I think. That's What's us. this about? <laughs> yeah, so Ryan, you and I and our, our friend Ben Lakoff are starting Bankless Ventures. Bankless Nation, it is the first Friday of March. David, what time is it? Oh, Ryan, it's the ETH Denver version of the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, where we cover the entire week, weekly news in crypto, and so much of that news is happening at ETH Denver. So much of the announcements that we're going to talk about are being announced at ETH Denver. So if you don't have coffee, grab it because you're going to need it to get through this weekly roll-up. I definitely yeah. am. Okay, so uh, you're in Denver right now. Yes. I am not. But um, the per conference, usual. Ha- per usual, as is tradition, the conference hasn't officially started though yet, has it? So it's different this year. Uh, the previous years at ETH Denver, it has been held in this venue called the Sports Castle, but we outgrew the Sports Castle by a wide margin last year. So we had to go to the Ethereum, uh, excuse me, the Denver Convention Center. So the official canonical ETH Denver event does start today, but so much has already happened already. There are so many side events. There was this uh, interoperability conference that was Monday and Tuesday. Uh, there was WalletCon yesterday. So to say that ETH Denver hasn't started yet is missing like the forest for the trees because so much of uh, other events have already happened and have been ongoing all week. So ETH Denver week has definitely been a very, very big thing. Plus the hackathon has already been going on. So the, the canonical ETH Denver event starts today, but so much is already underway as well. That's because when people talk about ETH Denver, it's really a shelling point for getting a whole bunch of crypto people it is um, now. together. It is now, so yeah. What's the vibe? Like on the ground, what's the vibe? How are people? And by the way, by the way, we're recording this Thursday morning, but mm-hmm. this goes out Friday. So the official Correct. ETH Denver event mm-hmm. will have started by the time you guys are listening to this. But mm-hmm. yeah, what what are the vibes? Like what's kind of, how are people feeling? So uh, the... It's very much more diverse in in subject matter. Uh, last year, ETH Denver, I think there was like thirteen to fourteen thousand people that came, and the venue only held seven thousand, so that was an issue. And last year was in February when the market mm-hmm. was like just riding all time highs. It was, highs. A it totally was very different very market. close to highs. Yes. Okay. Uh, I haven't we haven't gotten official headcounts yet because it's really hard to get an official headcount because there is no official headcounter. But people have given, been giving me estimates of fifteen to 20,000 people. Dude. Are you serious? Dude, I was at uh, the, what was at the ZK day, and it was, it was all about zero knowledge. The room was absolutely packed. The ZK day, the one-day event about all about zero knowledge, was more than ETH Denver 2020 as a whole. If this is a bear market. In, if you told me back in 2019 <laughs> that there would be a single one-day conference specifically about zero knowledge stuff— Happening in 2023, I'd be like, well, I mean, I guess that would why, why I'm here in this industry. So I, I expect that to grow, but like, it's crazy, man. Yeah. So like, you, it's so large that people are subdividing into different uh, streams, different talks, different tracks. Uh, the energy is, is very, very large and it's hard to keep track of everything. It is literally impossible to go to everything. You cannot, you have to pick and choose what you want to do. Guys, as far as content goes, I know David is going to bring us back a ton of content. We've got a, yes. a bankless, full bankless media team on the ground yes. at ETH Denver. And uh, we're calling this like a, a virtual conference pass, mm-hmm. which is yes. basically what we're providing. And I think I, I like to think, David, you're doing this uh, partially, you know, in service to, to people like me who don't yeah. go to these events. And uh, you go and you record, you get some of the highlights, you talk about the takeaways, and we publish all of this on the Bankless newsletter. And of course, on our YouTube channel and for premium subscribers, we package this all up into some RSS episodes that you can capture as well. So uh, I bet you're coming home with a lot of content. That, that's exactly right. I go to the content, Ryan, so you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the Interoperability Summit, I recorded, I think, eight interviews 
with uh, Sriram from Eigenlayer, with um, with uh, Sunny from from Cosmos, uh, people from the Axelar uh, Layer One, which has piqued my interest. Interestingly, uh, so many different people in specifically outside of the EVM Ethereum ecosystem, the the rest of the non Ethereum world, all about the interoperability summit. Also, Ledger from Up Only, uh, he was there as well, so I oh, got nice. to meet him for the first time. And so that was eight interviews at that event. Uh, Luke and the rest of the Bankless media team uh, and I are going to go to the actual canonical ETH Denver event today and tomorrow and probably do that again. So, Ryan, I might have like 16 interviews for you when Rest I come back. Rest that voice. Rest that voice. <laughs> do you hear friend. it? <laughs> A little bit. And I'm worried about you. Like, I, So I, I've been told that what you, what you have to do in these uh, – well, mm-hmm. look at me, armchair quarterback. I didn't even go to these things. But what you have to do is like you speak with a lower, like a, like a lower voice. Oh, really? So it comes more from your throat. And that tends oh, really? to, yeah. Like so this. yeah, exactly. It's totally normal. It's totally <laughs> normal, David, in person. He sounds like an octave deeper or two. Uh, anyway, we got a lot of things to cover too, and we got a short mm-hmm. amount of time to do it. So topics of the week, Gary coming out swinging against crypto, Gary Gensler, of course, he thinks everything is a security, but not everyone in the rest of government agrees with him. Neither do we. What else we got, David? Uh, things not looking great at Silvergate, uh, the main bank of crypto looking pretty distressed. Uh, so we have to talk about that. And then the big news, which got announced yesterday, MetaMask, everyone's fa- favorite wallet, has released an SDK to go with the Unity game engine, planting a very firm flag that gaming is going to be the next big wave of adoption, uh, servicing 2.7 billion people. Uh, Robinhood released a mobile wallet, and I was actually able to try that out, so we got the details as well. But then there's already so many other announcements as well. DevCon gets announced in 2024. Uh, account abstraction is live on the Ethereum Layer 1, but I thought you needed a hard fork for that. We'll talk about that. Yuga Labs is doing ordinals. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. And Ryan, I have to go in literally under 90 minutes because I have a talk at Shelling Point, so we are going to race through this weekly roll-up. All right, let's burn through it. And before we do, we want to tell you about our friends and sponsors at um, all right, let's get to markets. Speaking Bitcoin. of new cool interfaces, again, yeah. all crypto interfaces are way better than all previous financial interfaces. What we're looking at, of course, is the Kraken charts, where we're going to look at the Bitcoin price starting the week at $23,300. Exactly flat on the week. Are you 0% serious? up, 0% exactly down. Flat? Yeah, exactly flat. Or are you just where, doing that because you didn't want to look up the numbers, David? You're just, ah, no, it's flat. No, it's, Call it's, it flat. No, it's literally flat, Ryan. That's hilarious, man. Okay, yeah. how about mm-hmm. ETH? Flat too? Um, flat-ish, starting the week at 1600 ending the week at 1625 up 1.5% on the week. I call there. one, I call 1.5% pretty flat. That's yeah, it's, that's a bull run for ants where we're, we're just noise. <laughs> who cares about this? <laughs> How about the ratio ratio? Well, I think you can do the math on that one. Even I can, uh, we are up 1.5% <laughs> at 0.0697. Well, thanks for making it clear. And thanks to Kraken for these, uh, fantastic Mm-hmm. Charts that you can find at pro.kraken.com because I'm a pro. I'm a trading pro, David. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but uh, these charts make me feel like it. <laughs> when I think Ryan Sean Adams, I think trading pro. Yeah. I know you do. That's yeah. uh, that's a meme. That's um, you know real life too. Uh, okay, global crypto market cap. Are we above a trillion? Above a trillion, one point one one trillion dollars hey. in total crypto market cap. Um, that's good. News. Down two percent in the last uh, uh, week or so. You know, uh, let's talk about a few stats going on in the crypto markets. I. I kind of skipped the the Fed this week, David, because mm-hmm. like nothing's really going on in macro. At least this this is what I feel like the state of macro is. There's a lot of uh, doom and gloom types of of things, mm-hmm. like a lot of doomers out there. Yeah. And um, there, doomerism there are, is in right now. Yeah, there are a few people who are predicting a glorious recovery, right? But like, 
I don't think anyone really knows. It could go one way or it could go yeah. the other. So it's really yeah. impossible to talk about this week. But I do know the, this. The Bulls and the Bears are in perfect balance right now. Yeah, that's why we're flat on the like the last couple of weeks. It's been flat. Um, all I know is I zoom out whenever I don't know the answers in the short run and look at the long run. And the government is going to continue to print money. Crypto is going to continue to yeah. eat the banks. Eventually. And uh, this is a decade long long bet so who cares about the short run uh, noise who cares about the week-to-week prices that we bring you every single week on the roll-up it's all noise it doesn't matter but let's talk about crypto david let's talk ethereum it just had its highest month of earnings ever ever we ever. love talking about ethereum we love talking mm-hmm. about its earnings but i i thought that this chart was really cool i'm um, just seeing it depicted all the way from back in october 2016 this is the monthly ethereum earnings and you'll notice here david it's been negative. Right. Ethereum has been unprofitable from October 2016 all the way Massively. Mm-hmm. until when? Uh, when did the that merge. turnaround happen? Yeah. The merge. Yeah. Proof okay. of stake makes blockchains profitable. So really, when I see this chart, I just see proof of work versus proof of stake. Uh, and so if you want to have a expenditure positive blockchain, you need to have proof of stake. Uh, and that is what we are seeing. And so this is another way of saying the burn. So instead of talking about, uh, instead of being on the website of ultrasound.money, instead we are at this one. We tricked you. We <laughs> we, well, you it's a different step. way of looking at this thing, right? And so <laughs> yes. burn is at all-time high. Monthly Ethereum earnings is at all-time highs as well. Uh, but this chart is just really putting it into perspective as to what that means in, in uh, comparison to Ethereum's history. Yeah, what's uh, what's also in stark contrast is a lot of earnings reports are coming out for equities and securities, and they're all kind of down, like profits are yeah. down. This yeah. is funny because Ethereum profits are up. When you look at issuance as kind of the cost and you look at transaction fees as the reward, Ethereum's profitable right now, even in a bear mm. market. Um, David, mm. this was a really interesting take from Hill Dobby about NFT royalties that we've been talking about for a while. And uh, this is somebody who dives into the, the data. There are a few discoveries here that mm. I think bankless folks should know about. Um, what is Hill Dobby saying here? So Hill Dobby is walking us through the royalties stats on Dune Analytics boards. By the way, shout out to Hill Dobby and all of his ama- their amazing uh, Dune Analytics boards. A lot of the time when I go to Dune and I find a board and I find a good one, I go look at who made it. It's always Hill Dobby. Not always. Data always also comes to mind. So quick shout out there. So Hill Dobby is walking us through some data analytics about creator royalties. And, and the, the big theme lately has been the royalty wars and how royalty percentages are going to zero as, as a result of this fight between Blur and OpenSea. And so while that what's interesting here is while percentage of royalty pay uh, is going to zero, so like oh, the percentage of what is paid on a NFT transfer is going lower and lower and lower because margins are getting compressed, total aggregate royalty payments are actually at all-time highs. Surprising, how, right? How does this how do you square this? Well, it's because even though percentage on a per transaction basis is getting compressed, total volume is going up. So while uh, royalties are getting compressed, total actual royalty payments are at all-time highs. And that is a result of competition between these two major NFT trading platforms. So an interesting alternative look at the, the royalty wars. Yeah, it's, it's great news for creators. Royalty mm-hmm. revenue is actually going up, which is uh, cool to see. David, we got a lot more coming up. What's on tap? Gary, the destroyer is absolutely unhinged. Uh, right, we had the uh, ba- the bankless uh, meetup uh, yesterday, and yeah, uh, Mike Selig there? was there. Uh, oh, no. no, Mike Selig, the, the our, our our nice uh, securities lawyer, who yeah. got on a couple times was there. He dropped some comments into my ear, so I will share them after we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Gary the Destroyer, he's on the attack. It seems like he's on a mission to destroy crypto. I don't know what's up with Gary, but what's he doing this week, David? 
uh, declaring everything a security. Uh, so oh. in, 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 <laughs> the New York ma- in the New York magazine, he's made some statements which basically summarized as everything is a security except Bitcoin. Every yes. company in crypto out there is in violation. Crypto oh. is pointless, but blockchain is kind of neat. Uh, and this is, this is a summary from Alexander Grief, who finished it up. Hard to argue you're acting in good faith if you're admittedly trying to stamp out an entire industry. Uh, I saw another tweet. I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was basically like the meme of the Wright brothers discovered planes and flights and every other plane after the Wright brothers is illegitimate as in like Bitcoin is decentralized, <laughs> but every single other chain after Bitcoin is not legitimate, which is <laughs> a big so Bitcoin. Maxi exactly take. what it is. But it's like, is Gary a Bitcoin maxi or what's he's he doing? acting like it? He's acting like a Bitcoin maxi regulator. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not saying this to like, to say that this is what Bitcoin maxis believe, but like if you were someone who Some only, only wanted to like fence and protect Bitcoin and attack everything else, if that was your agenda, that would be Gary Gensler's agenda. I don't understand. So I was bored yesterday while uh, you guys were at the the party. So I went on a tear of a. Uh, did you see this tweet thread? We, from the we were all that we had the team dinner last night, and we were all like, well, "Guys, what's right up? To? Who's doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> so I was just in a parking lot somewhere. I was waiting for uh, one of my kids to get uh, done with something, and and so I was just like going through all of the potential things that Gary might consider mm-hmm. in the real world unregistered securities. Here's a Chili's gift card for twenty five dollars that you can buy in any local gas station. David, if the Paxos BUSD stablecoin mm. is a security, I ask you, my friend, is a Chili's gift card also a security? That's a question I, I would pose to I'm Gary, Gary Gensler. I say yes, yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> we got a security. Here's another example: Pokemon cards. Are they one hundred percent a security? Oh, profit, the, profitable profit on upside. Them? Yeah, yeah. Efforts of others, big time. Howie test. Yeah. Pokemon uh-huh. cards must be a security. Here is a uh, a sword. I think this is a Diablo sword. It I don't looks, know if this looks is Diablo pretty to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, King sword, noble sword. Uh, you know, an item drop in your favorite video game's got to be security, right? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have Chuck E. Cheese? Did you mm-hmm. go to Chuck E. Cheese when you were a kid? These um, tokens. Not exactly. <laughs> this looks like an ERC twenty token to me. Well, a why Chuck E. Cheese call them tokens? tokens. Yeah. Uh huh. They stole it from Chucky, and those are also securities. Classic cars. Classic cars that appreciate in value. Off, uh, well, is that the effort of others? Well, somebody else built it. Well, um, Taylor Swift, she's got kind of a, a mm. you know, a songwriting autograph. artist, yeah. a mm-hmm. signed autograph. That's reputation of it's others. Yep, yep, yep. How about hotel points? Unregistered mm-hmm. security or no? Yeah, well, I mean, the Could value be. of a hotel point has to be determined by uh, how much that hotel wants to make those things valuable. And they can inflate that at any time? They can inflate those they can away. change the yeah. value of it? They, they, what's yeah. the supply schedule of a, um, a hotel point? Well, it's not deflationary, let me tell you that. Uh, how about a human organ? <laughs> Got a little curious away here. <laughs> <laughs> Fortnite V-Bucks, definitely, right? Uh, a puppy. Mm. I don't know, like, you can buy a puppy. There's a market for like puppies well, um, you can breed cattle and cattle can produce dividends and <laughs> that's an effort of that cattle milk the milk is the uh milk that comes yeah, out of the yeah, cow mm-hmm. it's fungible yeah, it's a profitable enterprise i get it yeah cole's cash uh mm-hmm. look man this is my canadian upbringing it's canadian t- tire dollars the canadian watchers will know what these are i do not want to know what these are yeah it's a canadian thing anyway all of these could be securities that's what's so ludicrous about this whole thing there's no rhyme or reason other than does gary hate it if yes it's a security that's the way it seems to me yeah and the point that we're making like rather than talking about specifically what gary has said is like this is the implication of like yes everything other than bitcoin and the bitcoin blockchain is not decentralized and is totally a security all crypto exchanges are complicit off 
pr- probably Bankless is complicit because we talk about these things uh, so tight. Uh, and re- really, that's the news of this week is that this is the stance that Gary is taking publicly. It's a really hard line stance, and I don't understand it. Uh, this is a take from crypto lawyer Jake Travinsky. What's he say here? Uh, Jake says, Chair Gensler may have uh, prejudged that every digital asset aside from Bitcoin is a security, but his opinion is not the law. The SEC lacks the authority to regulate any of them until it until and unless it proves its case in court for each asset, every single one, individually, at one time. Which is why we titled this section Gary the Destroyer, right? Because he's coming in, he's doing the whole like chilling effect thing, which is unconstitutional, uh, and trying to make scare everyone. And just being a megalomaniac, dude, he's just doing the power grab thing. Like it's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer that Gary does not care about his job or his role, but is simply trying to grab power. Yep. Well, Mad King Gary, that's uh, Mad Mad King Gary. Yeah. This is Logan Bollinger. What's he say? Uh, Logan says, friendly reminder that Gary Gensler's opinions on what is or isn't a security are not legally dispo- dispositive. Oh, oh good. That's we don't have kings here, right? This is America. That's right. In this country, judges, not SEC chairs, ultimately determine what the law means and how it applies. Doesn't mean his thoughts are irrelevant. They are just not dispositive. That's a new word for me. Dispositive? Yeah. Uh, cool. They're just not dispositive. Okay. Gabe Shapiro, what's he say? Gabe Shapiro, uh, one of a, a very well-respected lawyer in the crypto space, now says that now that Gary Gensler has made clear he regards every single token, including stable coins, other than Bitcoin as securities under U.S. law, can we start asking what's the plan here? That's a really good question. I'm sure yeah, his plan do, is like, well, come in, come in and talk to, to us. So I can put handcuffs on you. (laughs) This has got to be part of uh, Operation uh, Choke Point. And so, David, I guess the good news is this goes to the court system, but I'm not so sure this is good news. Like, it depends on whether we have reasonable judges in the court system. This was a take I saw last week. Uh, So a federal court just ruled that these emojis, this is the rocket emoji, the graph going up, and the bag full of money, money, the chart, yeah, the chart emoji, and the bag full of money objectively mean one thing, a financial return on investment. Um, I believe this is from the um, NBA Top Shots mm. legislation. That the judge says this in their ruling, pointing at an exhibit of NBA Top Shots tweets. Each tweet promotes a recent sale or statistics of recent sale of moments on the marketplace. And although li- the literal word profit is not included in any of the tweets, the rocket ship emoji, in quotes, stock chart emoji, and money bags emoji objectively mean one thing a financial return on investment if you are doing the rocket emoji or the money bag emoji david you are giving financial advice on twitter whether you know it or not according to this judge absolutely ludicrous takes david and i like I don't even understand if these people don't understand how the internet works. Like you can't just say an emoji is financial advice. Can you? I mean, they're not wrong. That's why they're putting the emoji in there though. The, the problem is that this is the official NBA top shot account. I think if there was a random user of NBA top shots, that would be, that would be ridiculous. I think I I do kind of think like, yeah, if you're putting the upwards chart and rocket ship and money bags emojis into your platform and you are that platform like yeah we kind of it's in bad it. form but what do you it's, what are it you is going to do yeah. what are you going to do you're going to regulate your this is the stupid speech. thing if i do a pokemon card rocket emoji what am mm-hmm. i like and i'm the issuer of pokemon i guess that's an illegal tweet 
Right. Like, what right. is that? I don't right. understand what's going on here is kind of the bottom line take. And I, I just, I don't know that the courts are going to interpret things uh, in a reasonable way. Maybe this. I think, uh, yeah. I think you, it's hard. It's hard. Cause like you're, there are like promoters laws, right? If you don't want to buy a freaking movie of an NBA top shot, don't buy it. Like I, I, I think people have to have a bit of responsibility when it yes, comes to, I think, I think that's really like there is confusion and gray area. And so what do we do in this environment? We push power and control and responsibility back to the individual rather than by doing this to the, to the issuer. Like yeah, you're not Taylor going Swift to... tickets, rocket emoji. Like that's going to be a thing too. It is. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a thing. You, you're not going to like filter kind of the internet from these sorts of things. And, uh, I, th- I think doing so is a, is a dead end. Um, but there is a chilling effect that's going into place. Robinhood received a crypto-related subpoena request from the SEC, and it's basically just saying, the SEC saying to Robinhood, hey, there might be securities on Robinhood. The subpoena concern, among other things, uh, lists Robinhood's cryptocurrency listings and custody of cryptocurrencies and platform uh, operations. So Robinhood clearly doesn't have clarity from the SEC. Um, Coinbase is suspending Binance USD stablecoin, so that's been delisted on the back Mm -hmm. of the SEC and um, I, I believe financial regulator in New York, New York, mm-hmm. um, doing this. Mastercard is holding up their crypto plans. They put that on hold. Uh, there's a report out that Visa was going to do that as well, but then Visa put out a mm-hmm. statement. I think from Kai Sheffield, who's been on the podcast, saying the story is an un- inaccurate as it pertains to Visa. Here's the reality, and, and he talks about how Visa is continuing to partner with crypto companies. Anyway, there was this like chilling effect on the industry, and yep. uh, that's a result of of Mad Gary's actions here. Yep. No, that's all right. And what's not reported in the news, Ryan, uh, is just because of the connections I have in this space. And like I was mentioning at the, the Bankless uh, meetup yesterday, uh, there I have wind that many, 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 uh, what's it called? Wells notices have been issued to many of the DeFi apps, orgs that we all know and love. Uh, Wells notices got shot out across across the industry in 2022 in a, or just no, recent, even in more the recent. last week we have really? it, it has not come to light yet because no specific in like no specific team wants to like oh yeah we got a wells notice yeah but but it's been going through the, the lawyer circles that wells notices have been distributed everywhere um i mean wow. i haven't gotten the specific details and it's hard to like uh corroborate these things i think lido got one um, uh, and, but I don't, th- I think like Lido's not, in, in, uh, these are still rumors. We should specify these are still, but, still rumors. Yeah. But okay. like the Wells notices are being distributed across carpet the bomb, huh? Car- carpet wow. bomb Wells notices is, is, and so I think we'll see news of that come out. And so this is, this is, uh, Gary once upon a time being like a crypto hardliner. And now this is why we're calling it Gary, the destroyer, Gary, Gary, the, the megalomaniac. Like, and, and so like th- this is going so far. That this is actually starting to get pushback from people outside of the crypto industry. Yeah. Uh, and so this is news saying a new Congress body to come to hold a, a, a hearing on the regulatory a- attack on crypto. So they're starting finally to get pushback from Congress. Congress, uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. So walk us through this news, Ryan, if you will. Yeah. Congress, David, is holding a digital asset subcommittee within the House Financial Services. They're, they're scheduled to hold their first ever meeting on March 9th. And the hearing is titled this. Coincidence or coordinated the administration's attack on the digital asset ecosystem. 
I think we would say this is certainly coordinated activity, but it's really Congress's job to rein regulators in when they go after power vacuums and are seem intent on killing an entire industry. It's good as well that a lot of the blame is being pushed back on those that are responsible for it, namely the SEC and Gary Gensler's uh, leadership over there. Senator Tim Scott called this the elephant in the room and said, and Warren Davidson called Gary Gensler's selective enforcement on the crypto industry, I think referring to that as, as troubling. So that's specifically what this meeting in Congress is going to be about. Yeah. And th- this is how this has to end. Um, Gary has gone from being a hard ass to being absolutely unhinged. So this we're we're gonna this is going to be a fight, and now we have to fight him. And Congress is picking up wind that like Congress doesn't like Gary necessarily. Like Congress has no interest in supporting Gary. He is a rogue actor in a rogue agency. And so I hope, of course, people I are certainly hope back. that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian Armstrong put a fantastic op-ed out in CNBC, and this is let me just read a quote from it. This is part of the pushback and, and fight back. Yet while other jurisdictions progress, he's talking about outside of the U.S., the U.S. seems more focused on turf battles between regulators. No other country in the world has spent as much time and energy trying to convince its citizens that crypto assets are securities. Let's remember this whole securities thing. It's not even a topic of conversation in Europe. No. I mean, they, we're just talking laughing. about... Europe is laughing at us, dude. We were just talking about legal legislation, which is like, you know decently like our, folks we talk to give it like maybe a b minus it's reasonable it doesn't it it is completely sensible on mm-hmm. uh it's it's interpretation of what a security is and, and what it's not this is a rogue agency in the u.s i'm not sure why gary and others are are making this such a big deal it's um absolutely st- stupid and mm-hmm. i i think in general the context for me is this this u.s anti-crypto p- posture is uh is crazy it's a complete self-own i mean you've seen it like the u.s has the talent we have the entrepreneurs we have the capital to lead in crypto we have the demand oh yeah and yeah our regulators are saying to the builders yeah go build somewhere else we don't want this here i think Uh, america is for america is forgetting that has to compete right on like it has to outbuild the rest of the world if it's going to Mm -hmm. stay competitive and um those in government just don't understand it yeah, this is like my worst favorite thing about humanity, about how like one bad person can fuck it up for the, like billions of people. Yeah. And Thanks, certainly, Gary. certainly the, some of the, the class of 2022 scammers certainly gave him more uh, fuel to be able yeah, to reach th- this You know war. who doesn't care about Gary or anything that he has to say? All of these scammers of 2021 and 2022. <laughs> like, they, they just don't give a, they don't care about this at all. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Uh, Some other news, too, that is somewhat related. Silvergate Bank. What's this, David? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Silvergate Bank, as of this morning, stock tumbles 45% uh, after a growing concern about the solvency of Silvergate. Uh, And so Silvergate reported a $1 billion loss in the fourth quarter. And this has caused a sort of run on the bank. Uh, There has not, there's not been any actual symptoms of insolvency yet. There have been concerning murmurings from actually Silvergate itself, as well as other indications as well. Uh, Coinbase has no longer accepted or initiates, uh, initiated uh, payments to or from Silvergate and has rerouted uh, customer deposits to a different bank. They were using uh, Silvergate, Coinbase was. Yes, they have okay. They have other banks, but they have started to route payments to a different bank, just that they stated as an abundance of caution. 
Uh, and so it, it was uh, stated that Silvergate sold additional debt securities to repay debts this year. Uh, and they have said that further losses would mean that the bank would be less than well capitalized is what they said. Um, so uh, th- this is one one part of this is like, OK, banks take risk. That's what they do. That's the part of their business model. Crypto is risky. There's not that many banks in the crypto industry. Therefore, the few banks that do serve crypto bear the general risk of kind of the entire industry. We all know what happened with the insolvencies of 2022. Uh, And so that has impacted a large amount of Silvergate's clients, which makes them unable to pay back their their loans to Silvergate, uh, which means Silvergate has to eat some losses. Uh, and then in addition to that, Operation Choke Point has really reduced the interest in investing in Silvergate or making Silvergate uh, like a credit worthy uh, bank. And so all of this con- has like led up to this moment right now where like Silvergate stock tumbles 45 percent. Coinbase doesn't want to use Silvergate out of an abundance of caution. Uh, and so this is one part like kind of a cell phone out of the crypto industry. Then like magnet, like blown up because of Operation Choke Point because of Thanks Gary. They can't get they can't get banked anywhere else, basically. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's Gary. It's the entire administration that seems to be involved mm-hmm. in Operation uh, Choke Point. And uh, the stock is certainly taking a tumble, yeah. as you mentioned, Silvergate stock yeah. as a result. Not, not so great. Not the great. question is, where are crypto exchanges going to actually bank in the U.S.? Right. There's Operation yeah, this, is, this is not the banklessness that we want. This is yeah. the bad banklessness. <laughs> yeah, this does not help liquidity inflows into, mm-hmm. into crypto, and it cuts off a way for people to become more bankless. That's the bad news this week. The good news, though, David, okay. is... Good news from here on out. <laughs> good news from here on out. All right, we got through the worst of it. Uh, MetaMask mm-hmm. is now in the Unity store. David, do you know much about Unity, the gaming platform? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very well-adopted, very high-profile game engine that many of your favorite games, if you are a gamer, is built off of. MetaMask has released an SDK for incorporating MetaMask into Unity. Uh, what does that mean? Web3 games, uh, asset-powered games, sign-in with Ethereum in your Unity game, anything that you can think of that has to do with your private key on Ethereum into a Unity game engine. So like the, the topic of what that means is massive, but simply think of a more seamless injection of private keys into Unity games and all of the positive second-order effects that come with that. Did you know, David, uh, there's 2.7 billion users and developers that use Unity for a game or a set of games? Do you think two point? Did you mean two point seven billion users who are playing with securities inside of their games, Ryan? Oh God, I hope not. Don't tell Gary. <laughs> well, I, we'll just DDoS Gary. You know, like, f- <laughs> fuck it. Two point seven billion of us with all of the gamers. I mean, like, Gary's like everything's to. a security. Is like a well, court all, case. all of the gamers are playing with unregistered securities. Gary, go get them. A court case for every <laughs> one by one. I can't wait. Take all the twelve year olds on one by one. Uh, enjoy that. <laughs> This is the Unity Asset Store, David, and they have a, uh-huh. the whole section called Decentralization here. That's where you see this. So if you scroll down, Asset, you asset Store, that doesn't mean crypto assets. Mask. That means like uh, gaming assets, right? Yeah, sh- like, 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 it's uh, not a crypto asset, Gary. No, no, no. Like, don't no, worry. Don't or, worry. Or is it? Sorry. No, it's I, not. Like, I mean, no, no. There are assets in the store. Like gaming words, assets, like download SDKs. this package or whatever. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Because yes. Unity is, is a... Um, but I don't know. Maybe Gary's like, oh, I can regulate that. It's an asset. <laughs> Did you say asset? Did you say asset? A <laughs> <laughs> oh, pop scary. No, this is a different type of asset, all right? It's a software <laughs> asset. Anyway, Unity is a, a technology platform for, for gamers. I didn't realize how big it was. Holds about a 50% market share. The only other, like, next biggest... Um, gaming engine is the Unreal Engine, mm. which, um, you know, and oh, Pokemon Go, by the way, that that is built with Unity. 
So can you imagine like, oh, MetaMask wallet inside of uh, Pokemon Go to collect your, your Pokemon? Can you can imagine, imagine that? that? I can imagine that. Yeah, that I know really you, you're a Pokemon Go player, aren't you? I haven't played in a while, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway, watch out for those uh, Pokemon securities. But um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think this is going to be huge. This is going to help bring crypto mainstream. And I think <laughs> crypto has some work to do with the gaming community. Can we just say that? Mm-hmm. Like they don't well, this, like NFTs this, this right is now. This is that. Mm-hmm. They're digital collectibles. They're not NFTs, though. It's a totally different thing. Uh, all right, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, oh my gosh, so much. Uh, Robinhood Wall is out. We got the Deets Scroll ZK EVM soon TM uh, Oasis. You like that one, right? Uh, Oasis clawbacks money from a hacker to give back to its rightful owner. But was it the right thing to do? Huh. And DevCon is heading to Southeast Asia in 2024, which I don't, they, they didn't announce the specific city, so I don't have my flight yet, but you know I will soon. All of that and more. But first, I'm going to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Robinhood has a non-custodial crypto wallet now. They said they were going to do it last summer. Now here it is. It's available on the iOS app store. David, did you have a chance to uh, download this and check it out? Can you give us the, the details? Yeah, amazingly, in the middle of ETHender, I did have a chance to actually download this. Uh, Okay, so uh, here's the deal. It's an Ethereum-only wallet at the moment and Polygon. You can deposit and outbound and send tokens on the Ethereum Layer 1. You cannot trade tokens on the Ethereum Layer 1. You can only send in and out. Uh, If you send into the Polygon network on the Robinhood wallet, you can trade, and the the trades that you make on the Polygon side of Robinhood wallet are gasless. that's the full extent of the wallet. It's just uh, when you say trade, you're doing it on a like decentralized Polygon protocol. Yes, call. is correct. that right? With yes. some liquidity so, pool or something? This is a uh, collaboration between Robinhood, Polygon, and Zero X. And so Zero X has this re- relayer API that's used to swap. Uh, and so uh, the Robinhood wallet calls the Zero X relayer API, uh, swaps the tokens, and that's all gasless and automatic and, and basically synonymous with the UX that Robinhood users are used to in their normal wallet. No That's other blockchains cool. are supported. No Solana, no Avalanche. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they probably have plans to incorporate them at some time. But like right now, it's a pretty constrained uh, Limited functionality set. now. Limited, lim- limited functionality. I'm sure they are going to add more. But right now, it's just like on the Ethereum Layer 1, it's inbound and outbound transfers. Uh, and then on the Polygon Layer 2, it's inbound and outbound transfers and swaps via 0x. How is that haptic response, though? Remember the, their CEO... CEO I did not telling us about any, that. I did not notice any haptic response. It's supposed to, like like when you hit a trade, it's like vibrates in your hand. It's supposed to like bump, you feel bump good. You? Yeah, yeah. I oh, I have. Well, I haven't been able boost. to trade because I sent in twenty five USDC to the Ethereum layer one, and I was like, okay, swap for ETH, and I couldn't. Okay, but I'm sure they are going. I'm sure this is just the first debut. I'm sure they've got. I love that they're doing the, this. The UX is great. If you are well used done. to the uh, Robinhood app. It is almost the same kind of UX and UI layer, so it's great. And why do we care so much about this? Is because it's bankless, mm-hmm. non-custodial yes, wallet. It is it's super cool yeah. to to see Robinhood um, developing this and building this out using their resources. So I did to do that. in a, in just expediency. I did uh, save my private keys to the cloud, which is a native feature in there. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. I hope I hope they got that one right. You can also save your own private keys to yourself the normal way. You can also yeah. trust. Robinhood to save it to the I cloud. I think that's fine as long as people know what they're like getting into, right? For twenty five dollars, how much do you care? Well, I did twenty five dollars. Other people, will yeah, worry. yeah, yeah. In the future, I know you. As long as they have the option, I'm content with it. It's a yes, great first. They do start. have the option. Uh, they do have the option. What's going on with Scroll? Another scroll. first of all, what is Scroll? 
Scroll is a ZK EVM that is trying to be EVM equivalent, which is an ambitious endeavor to use my words at the start of every weekly rollup. Uh, but they are going all the way down into the bytecode, making circuit things to make the EVM a ZK EVM, uh, but also Ethereum equivalent. Very ambitious, very bullish if they can get it done. They are getting it done. Uh, the last I checked with them, they had they had like a 600 gigabyte RAM requirement in order to run their prover, and then they dropped that down to 200, which is a huge order of uh, magnitude of improvement, but still have a long way to go to make that accessible to more and more and more. Anyways, uh, they have announced that their ZK EVM is live on a Gorly testnet. 100% permissionless. Uh, and so this is the last major step that they need in order to go to the scroll mainnet. 100%. Do you know that's way, this is way faster than I thought it would be, David. All this EKEVM stuff is happening very, very fast. Yeah. So it's 100% open sourced. Uh, scroll has even frozen some of its code base to pass to auditors for review. Uh, so like the, the scroll, the scroll ZKEVM mainnet, you can see it on the horizon. It is not that far off. So congrats to the Scroll cool. team. Uh, Ryan and I are angel investors in Scroll. Yes, true. Uh, you find that on our disclosures page. Um, Always. This this CoinDesk headline, Ethereum says ERC-4337 deployed, tested, and the beginning of the era of smart accounts. David, smart what is account. this ERC? What does it do? I, oh, I can I'm, tell you're I'm bullish so, about I'm it. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, ERC-4337. Yeah. It, what's the difference between an EIP and an ERC? Well, an EIP is something that gets hard forked in. An ERC is a smart contract standard. That's not technically the difference, but it's good for these purposes. Like uh, an so, ERC-20 is just exactly. a standard that everyone yes. agrees to. It's not exactly. something that needs to be forked into the code of Ethereum. That's exactly right. Yes. So ERC-4337 was deployed to the Ethereum layer one. What does that mean? Uh, somebody just wrote a smart contract. There is... ERC-4337, which is the account abstracting standard that has been worked on by Yoav Weiss, who is the man that we are looking at in this picture here, and many, many others. Uh, it is account abstraction inside of a smart contract. Uh, so typically, the way that people have thought about account abstraction is needing to enable it at the protocol layer. Yeah, but that's, how, it, that's honestly, going into this, that's how I thought it was going to happen. It needed to be forked in. Yeah, so that is still the long-term conclusion, but in the meantime, we have ERC-4337 as a smart contract to enable account abstraction as a smart contract. Uh, and so you can start to do smart contract wallet level stuff, account abstraction level stuff on the Ethereum layer one starting today. Instead of at the protocol native level, it's just a smart contract that you can use. But this has now been deployed. This caught a lot of people by surprise because I think, you like you, Ryan, and me, it was like, oh, you can do this through a smart contract? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, smart contract wallet enable uh, capabilities is now on the Ethereum layer one. And this really is just like a middle step between native support at the protocol le level. And it, but it can also hasten that because we can have more iteration, more development, more experimentation and more innovation on the actual uh, protocol standard that will eventually get incorporated into the Ethereum layer one at some future date and time. And the reason, by the way, guys, we're so excited about uh, account abstraction is it enables mm -hmm. a new era of smart contract wallets, which right. is basically like if you think about the you know the user experience of fintech, a mobile app like Venmo, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. or um, Revolut in in the UK and and Europe, uh, this enables that. Right. Yes. Like many of our wallets right now, they do not have seamless user experience. Right. You're signing it's transactions. Bad. You bad. have no you it's have bad. no idea what you're signing. Smart contract wallets will smooth all of that out, make it incredibly easy to use. This is a big UX upgrade in the yeah. future. And this is the infrastructure for that UX upgrade. 
the metaphor that I've used to explain this is that um, all of your wallets, your MetaMask, your Ledger, anything with an ex- it's called an externally owned account, anything with a private key, that is a Bitcoin of a wallet, a Bitcoin version of a wallet. It's it's not dumb programmable and, and simple and not programmable. Account abstraction, smart contract wallets, like kind of a hard word to understand. It's the Ethereum of wallets. It's a wallet with a chip in it. It can you can program your wallet to do anything, and yeah. that is how we get over a lot of UX and UI hurdles. Yeah, it's like people have uh, coffee mugs, but there's an ember mug, which has a chip in it, which you can heat at any time. That is the equivalent. It has a chip in it. Can be <laughs> I don't know about that metaphor. That was a <laughs> I'm That's not the metaphor mug. I would, I, I, would. I think my metaphor is a little bit better. <laughs> not a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, Bored Apes, mm-hmm. they are doing things on the Bitcoin blockchain. What are they up to? Yeah, Yuga Labs. So not Board Apes. Board Apes parent Yuga Labs. Um, people know the Board Apes, but Yuga, Yuga Labs is the software company behind Board Apes. Said Monday, it's planning to release an NFT collection minted on the Ordinals protocol. The 12-fold collection will feature 300 generative art NFTs created by Yuga Labs and placed on a 12 by 12 grid, which serves as a visual allegory for the cartography of data on the Bitcoin blockchain. It will include 3D elements as well as hand-drawn features. Uh, interesting, kind of divergent from what Yuga Labs typically does. Uh, this new collection does not come with any extended utility or has any affiliation with the current Ethereum-based collections out of Yuga Labs. Um, cool. I, I'm, yeah. I mean, this is what we're looking for out of Ordinals, is adoption by players who are here for the long term. Uh, and this, this is Ordinals what Bitcoin usage, needs. Ryan, is, is, we, we talked about Ordinals usage being up for a month straight. Uh, Ordinals down. demand is down for two weeks straight. But yeah, I mean, okay. there was a hype mania. It's it, it hit a peak. It could hit a trough and go back up. But we are down two weeks in a row on on ordinal usage. Yeah, this is good for Bitcoin. Whether Bitcoin maximalists know it or not, they need mm-hmm. block space demand in the future, and this helps with that. Um, David, there was a a bit of a controversy in mm-hmm. DeFi circles last week as well. Uh, Oasis exploited its own wallet software to seize crypto stolen in the wormhole hack. That is the title of this article. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, so Oasis.app, uh, it's a DeFi app. Um, it seized assets, it clawed, back, it clawed back assets related to the $140 million exploit of the Wormhole Bridge, if you remember that one last year, and then returned them to the authorized third party, Ryan, after being ordered by a court to do so. So a DeFi app was ordered by a court to seize assets that were stolen to return them to the rightful owner, who was that rightful owner, by the way? Uh, that was Jump Capital. So the money our got favorites. sent back. Our, our favorite people uh, got sent back. <laughs> Sorry to all the good people at Jump, but you guys yeah. have done some not some great things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm not afraid to admit that, and neither should you. Uh, anyways, uh, so uh, so Oasis app clawed back a- uh, assets that were stolen from the Wormhole Bridge that were Jump's uh, assets, gave them back to Jump after being ordered by a court. So like. The instance is like, cool, we gave, we stole money back from a hacker and gave it back to the rightful owner. Uh, but what precedent does this set? Um, what are your thoughts on this, Ryan? Well, first of all, it's a surprise. Shouldn't uh, Oasis not be able to do that? I think that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. If it's truly decentralized, then the makers of the protocol or the application shouldn't have the ability to go claw back funds, go reach into a multi-sig or into a smart contract and take those funds out. So can you talk about that side of the story? Because mm-hmm. right, what we always say is it's not um, don't be evil. It's can't be evil. Like there is no ability to change an immutable code. But um, what happened in this case? 
Yeah, so the contracts for Oasis were upgradable, which meant that there was a, a hole for Oasis to upgrade their contracts to get that money back. Uh, this goes back to my philosophy of if you can be regulated, then you ought to be regulated. And if you can't be regulated, then you won't be regulated. And I think this is the case of an example of an app that could be regulated because clearly a court was able to do, order someone to do something to get the money back. And that puts Oasis in the category of can be regulated. Now, if they want to not be regulated, they shouldn't have upgradable smart contracts. I feel like that's a pretty safe claim to make. However, I do understand the utility of having upgradable smart contracts because you can you know, prevent from exploits. You can, you can protect your software. You can protect your users. Plenty of reasons to have upgradable smart contracts. But this is the tug of war, the push and pull between decentralization and centralization. What does decentralization get us? Immutable money, which is great. Also comes with the cost. Uh, and so this is just an example of where those two ends meet. Yeah, I think it's a reminder that there are many DeFi protocols and even uh, layer twos and other things that you think are maximally decentralized and immutable that still have these upgrade hatches. And so we should be conscious of that. Now, for many of these protocols, they they are temporary but that temporary period of time could be months. It could also be years. So people should be mm-hmm. conscious of that. It's also like people are um, pretty upset with the Oasis Labs developers saying that it sets a bad precedent. Um, well, one thing I'd say, though, is put yourself in the shoes of an Oasis developer. You have, you know you have this uh, escape hatch. And by the way, this wasn't an intent. Here's an important point. This wasn't, as I understand it, David, an intentional escape hatch. It was actually a, a bug, a flaw in the way mm, that the code right. was written that the Oasis Labs um, devs happened to know about. Anyway, they received this court order and it's just like, well, you have the ability to withdraw the funds. And if you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble with the authorities. M- authorities. Metaphorically, go to jail if you don't right. do this, right? Yeah. It would be so much simpler if you could just be like, we can't do it. Right. There's no ability. We, there is yep. no access point for us to withdraw this, and that is maximally decentralized. So you're not put in, in the place um, where you have to make that decision. But as far as like, like morally, ethically, should they have resisted and gone off to prison? And I mean, the money was stolen, right? So I'm not very upset at the Oasis devs uh, for this. Um, I you, we just don't know what happened behind behind the scenes. Uh, the calculus is simple. Um, hey, your app has stolen money in it. Uh, give it back or go to jail. I'm like, well, personally, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, that's, I'll live give the to money fight to the another right- day. Exactly. I'll give the money to the right person and I won't go to jail. That's a win-win. Uh, and then maybe burn the private keys later. Right. Yep. I, you know, that's just where we are as an industry. And I think we should, uh, we should admit that's the case. Mm-hmm. David, mm-hmm. uh, Coinbase had some scheduled downtime this week, but I don't know if that's the story you wanted to get to. <laughs> no, this is, this is really just the lead into the next story. Coinbase has uh, upcoming planned scheduled downtime. Uh, uh, so this will be on Saturday for eight upcoming. hours. Upcoming. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how frequent this is. Uh, I think this is perhaps like a longer than normal, but this is totally like a normal thing for Coinbase to do. What's not a normal thing to do is have unscheduled downtime for a layer one blockchain. Uh, Solana (laughs) had 19 hours and 20 minutes of downtime. Uh, The Solana Foundation said is still investigating why the network went down during the outage. The network, uh, the users could not process transactions, including NFT and DeFi trading. Uh, and so I was asking uh, some of the, the analysts who pay attention to Solana DeFi on the Bankless team. By the way, the, the analysts on the Bankless team, 
pay attention to much more things beyond the Ethereum centric nature of you and me, Ryan. Uh, and there, and so I was asking them like, Hey, so did this like impact any like DeFi apps? Did anyone get liquidated when they shouldn't have like what happened? And they were like, well, there's not much TVL left in Solana DeFi. Really? <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess a now it's it more based. It's uh, NFT. It's kind of cultural. I, yeah. I guess it's yeah. more, it's uh-huh. become more of that and less DeFi. Yeah. And it's like, I, we said this, Ryan, the last time Solana went down, it, it was a good while ago. It was, I don't know, six, nine months ago, but the last time Solana went down, but like, man, you really not need to start building up Lindy and you have to reset the Lindy clock. Now your chain went down for 19 hours. Imagine if the world of finance was built on this. Like the whole point of crypto is to have 24, 7, 365 immutable smart contracts and DeFi services. If your layer one chain goes down, you get to that puts that gives certain people power and other people not have power because some people can process transactions when other people can't. And they will be able to have God mode over DeFi over all DeFi on Solana in that one moment of time while that network is down and that you can't do that. And so we have to set the Lindy clock back on Solana once again. And so like it's, yeah, I know, but it's going to sound like we're kind of over like Solana bashing, but like, I just, I just, this is so important. I I totally believe that, um, certain things disqualify you from the race of layer one. Right. Mm -hmm. And you frequent downtime, long periods of downtime, or you have to do an offline coordination to kind of restore. It's one of those things. So I know Solana, the, the community is um, is working hard on this and building, and yeah. we wish them the best uh, for this, but this has to be fixed uh, during right. this bear you market. You need to or- start building Lindy. Every time you reset it, you go back so far. Yes. Like the, um, the Lindy is at zero. Like other, yeah. even non-Ethereum chains have better Lindy than Solana. Not to, to harp on Solana too much, but uh, apparently the Solana stores in New York City and Miami are also uh, closing as well. So sign of sign of these bearish times, I suppose. Mm-hmm. David, uh, the FTX ex engineering chief Nishad Singh pled guilty to criminal charges. So I believe he uh, joins Gary Wang and Caroline. Uh, and some of the other FTX criminals still outstanding is Sam Bankman-Fried, but with all of his executives pleading guilty, he can't be too far behind. <laughs> is there anything else well, you want to add to this story? Yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried. Like, it's not that he had many friends left, if any, uh, but another definitely one off of the list of potential Sam Bankman-Fried friends. Uh, this guy, I'm assuming, is going to work with the authorities uh, to settle his case in a favorable way possible, which is not going to help Sam Bankman-Fried. Meanwhile, Sam Bankman-Fried, this like 29-year-old youngish dude, just living at home with mom and dad. Just watching football. Out, Back watching like football on a VPN. <laughs> After stealing $15 billion. Yeah. Uh, strange. David, this is the DevCon news. Tell us about it. DevCon 7 has been announced coming to Southeast Asia in 2024. Uh, no specific time, no specific place other than Southeast Asia, very large place. Um, but keep your calendars open for 2024, <laughs> for 2024? <laughs> to go to Southeast Asia if you're interested in DevCon. Yeah. Are they doing these every two years now or is it every 18 months? Cause the last one was in 2022, right? In Bogota. Uh, Yes, that was 2022 in Bogota in October. So I've talked to Joseph Schweitzer about this. There's no hard and fast rule for what they're doing. Um, Dev Connect is the smaller sister event to DevCon. And they are uh, the EF has committed to doing Dev Connect every single, not every single year, 
uh, on a reoccurring basis. And so I think the vibe here is that DevConnect and DevCon are like this binary star system that rotate around each other, to use a metaphor, with one star being bigger than the other, DevCon being the big star, DevConnect being the small star. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is just how my brain And works. one of them has a faster orbit, right, which is DevConnect. No, Dev no, Connect. I think every nine months is like one, one every nine months you get the DevConnect, which is the smaller yeah. one, and then nine yeah. months later you get the DevCon, which is the big one. Hey, that's it's cool. Southeast Asia, always interesting places that yeah, they host. I guess uh, I, haven't gone, I haven't gone to Asia yet, Ryan. This is going to be my first trip to Asia. Oh, there you go. Get ready. Book 2024. So, you, so you're available. <laughs> <laughs> David, this is some uh, bankless news, and mm-hmm. this is under our raises section. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. read the headline. Hosts of bankless podcast raising $35 million crypto venture fund. Hey, that's us, I think. What, what's us. this about? <laughs> yeah. So Ryan, you and I and our, our friend Ben Lakoff are starting bankless ventures. Uh, we are still pretty early in this process, uh, and but we are uh, starting up a venture capital firm. Why are we doing this? Well, as people who listen to the Bankless podcast know, Ryan and I do a bunch of angel investing. We also do a bunch of advisory work, uh, and we enjoy supporting founders who are helping explore the frontier of crypto and the frontier of what it means to go bankless. Uh, and so all we're really doing is now we are putting all of that effort that we're already doing into a structure that we are now calling Bankless Ventures. Uh, and so I think this really, this conversation really got started, Ryan. We were like, hey, man, we're doing a lot of angel investing. Like, we should hire an analyst. Uh, we should, like, help so, like, like make this a process lot of easier for us. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And, and uh, so then when the conversation continues, like, well, that just starts to look like a VC firm. Uh, so really important point of emphasis. We're already doing all, basically everything that it takes to do a VC firm, uh, private market investing, angel, uh, angel investing, advisory work. And now we are putting that inside of a structure the only thing that's really new here is now we're doing that with outside capital for LPs. Uh, and yeah. so that is kind of the, that's the, the really the thought process behind this. Nothing changes with respect to our schedule. Still coming at you with uh, all the content that, that we always have. Um, and of course, our disclosures are always updated. So if you want to get mm-hmm. a feel for the types of angel investments we have been doing and the types of things uh, that uh, we'll be doing in the in the fund itself, you can head mm-hmm. on over to bankless.com slash disclosures. Click the link there. And you'll see all of these things uh, and the reason why they honestly need to be organized in some sort of a different structure. Um, but David, I don't know if I'd trust a guy uh, in this kind of a jacket here and you know, it looks kind of like a, a crypto <laughs> rebel here. If I give God. this guy my money. Was this taken yeah, last no. night? That was, that was at the bankless meetup. Yeah. Uh, and, and the first question that everyone probably like asks is like, all right, how, how does bankless ventures affects the media side of things? And the very big and easy answer is that it just doesn't change anything at all. And intentionally. So, um, when we first thought about doing bankless ventures, our first exploration was a long conversation with lawyers. It was like, what, what would we have to change on the media side of things to do bankless ventures? Because we don't want to change anything on the media side of things. We want to preserve media at, to the maximum degree. Uh, and so after that conversation with lawyers, like because we have literally the industry's best disclosures, we also never do any paid content ever on principle. And we already have an editorial policy that makes all of our personal angel investments not impact our content decisions. Like we just learned that everything that we are already doing on the media side of things doesn't impact uh, ventures and ventures doesn't uh, impact media. And so when we have been chatting with potential LPs at the very beginning of these chats, we make a very firm statement that at the very beginning of our call that bankless media in no way will support bankless ventures. Uh, if any portfolio company wants to come on the podcast and we've gotten plenty of questions or like requests from our portfolio uh, 
companies that come on the podcast before, they will always have to do it the old fashioned way, which is by building something worthy of covering and sufficiently interesting to the bankless audience. And with the investment funds that's flowing into crypto all over the place, of course, crypto is always hiring. You can check out the latest jobs on the bankless jobs board. That's bankless.pallet.com slash jobs. Uniswap Labs needs a senior software engineer. Bankless is hiring some writers, analysts, social growth leads. Consensus wants a director of engineering. There's still that Adidas role, a global head of Web3 strategy and planning, a whole bunch more. Go over to the jobs board and check that out. That's bankless.pallet.com slash jobs. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got the questions from the nation. We got some good ones as well as what uh, Ryan and I are excited about as well as the takes of the week. So don't go anywhere. We're going to get to all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Got some questions of the week for you. The first from the Bankless Nation Discord, Simon Bruce, 1974 here saying, using base as an example, if a chain is built on the OP stack, that's the optimism stack, does it still require a bridge to move assets to another chain built on the optimism stack or optimism? Or is it as simple as sending the asset as a normal transaction? That's the question. What say you, David? The answer is yes and no. Um, right now, the answer is m- yes. The idea about the OP stack is that in the future, that answer will be no. Uh, and the answer will, won't be ever perfectly no, but the answer trends towards no. Why is that such a confusing answer? So the idea that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the idea is that base and optimism are both on the OP stack. Because of that common denominator, the bridge between these two chains has less risk and rest less dependencies and more standardization. And so the bridge between base and the OP stack is less bridgy <laughs> than it would be if had it been to like, I don't know, base to Arbitrum or base to Polygon or something. Because of the common denominator of the OP stack, a lot of complexity is removed. And as further uh, innovations, more innovations come to the scene, a lot of that complexity becomes abstracted and obfuscated away. Uh, and so, yes, there will always be a bridge. Right now, that bridge is pretty bridgy, to use a very technical term. Uh, and then in the future, it will become less bridgy. And that is also true for all OP stack chains. And so the bridginess trends towards zero. However, it will never hit zero. But the idea is that with additional technologies, uh, you can you can obfuscate and abstract a lot of the bridginess. Um, I made an OP stack video. If you go to YouTube and type in bankless OP stack, there's my face next to a thumbnail that's titled OP stack. If you want to learn more, click that video. It's it's all part of the same kind of, I guess, nation security apparatus, if yes. you will. It'll be yeah. more like mm-hmm. traveling from New York to New Jersey than like New York right. to cross the border to Canada or something like this. Right. Yeah. So imagine it's like, okay, we're in, we're in the United States in the 1700s. You can get from New York to Washington state pretty easily. Well, not pretty easily. You can do it without crossing a, a passport control, but you still got to walk. And then you fast forward 300 years and then you can just fly really, really fast. The bridginess yes. gets less bridgy. No high speed rail though yet, which makes me yeah, bitter every yet. time I think about that. Not yet. Yes. <laughs> Come on, America. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Here's a question from Captain Randall Wall. <laughs> I think I said that right. Sorry, Captain. Uh, apologies if that has already been covered, but what are your thoughts on the eigenlayer and the potential impact of ETH staking and price? Do you see this as helpful to alts in terms of securing validation? That first question of what is eigenlayer first? Maybe you have to define that. And what's the potential impact on ETH staking and ETH price? 
Yeah, so Eigenlayers just absolutely swept the world of crypto by storm just because of what it is. And if you are curious about this answer to this question, it would behoove you, I think, to listen to the interview I did with Sriram at the Interoperability Summit that I went to a couple days ago, where we talked about this subject in particular. What is Eigenlayer? Eigenlayer is taking normal Ethereum staking and adding on additional to like additional what I'm calling like mods, if you will. And so like not only are you staking your ETH to Ethereum for all the normal reasons, but you can also use that Ether stake that you've already staked to also secure something else. So rather than and, having and when to you have say like s- secure, the idea is like a bond, right? It's like economic kind of, security. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So that's what so like, you mean by modding. You're like, I'm going to secure mm-hmm. this Ethereum main chain thing, but then for some additional risk and reward, I'll mm-hmm. also do this other thing. Right. So imagine like Chainlink, you stake the link token to do the Oracle network. With Eigenlayer, you can stake your ETH to Ethereum, again, for normal staking reasons, and then also have that same stake also secure an Oracle network or a data availability network or generally anything that needs economic security. And so the idea is that this produces additional yields for e-stakers because they can secure more things, but with additional slashing penalties if you lie or do something wrong for whatever additional thing that you're doing. So the, the question is, uh, what is the potential impact on e-staking and price? Um, it, for all of the, there was a, a tweet that we talked about forever ago. Uh, Eigenlayer will enable halal alt-layer ones for ETH maxis. <laughs> sure. Which, which also deserves unpacking, uh, so I'll do my best. <laughs> the idea is that like all of these alt-layer ones, like Celestia, uh, subnets on Avalanche, like all of these reasons to produce different alt-layer like, layer ones that would trigger the, decent, the decentralization maxis, now you can just use Ethereum staking, normal Ethereum staking, to do all of that same kind of services without having to have additional tokens or additional like chains or all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it produces additional yields for your ETH, and it really imbues a lot of the reasons to make additional alt-layer ones and imbues that value into Ether and Ether staking. Uh, so in the pendulum, I talked about this with uh, Sriram, there's like a pendulum between polychainism mesh network of many, many, many chains and bridges that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is like single one dominant layer one chain. There's always a spectrum of like where we are in the pendulum. And Eigenlayer really pushes this towards there's really only needs to be one dominant chain and everything else is is less necessary. Um, there's going to be a tug of war between these two things, but Eigenlayer is definitely pushing towards like all you really need to do is stake Ether and then sign up for additional uh, yield opportunities if you want. I think to the question the captain is asking about uh, impact on price. Oh, it's it, bullish. This this is incredibly freaking it's bullish. It's incredibly bullish. Do, do you remember the, um, the idea that um, we'd come out with uh, a couple of years ago about Ether, the internet bond, which mm-hmm. is the idea that Ether is uh, an internet bond for the Ethereum ecosystem. That's what happens when you're staking. You're actually bonding it. And it accrues monetary premium in the way that uh, a bond might. Um, mm-hmm. This is now... Ethereum being able to export Ether, the asset, as a bond to other foreign chains or foreign protocols. And that is incredibly powerful because these kinds of monetary premium games, like bonding type games, are all power law games, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. why would you bond with some other chain's uh, native asset when that is far less liquid and far more volatile than Ether, the internet bond? So this is like if Eigenlayer really picks up, and that's still an if, right? We don't know mm. for sure. But Mainnet if it picks here. up, it is incredibly bullish right. for Ether the asset as that the the meme that we you know predicted a couple of years ago as the internet bond. 
Ether, the asset, really becomes a bond for securing things economically on the internet. And wow, that is a powerful place to be. So that that is why this technology is not just bullish for more chains, more experiments, more scalability, more expansion, but it's also incredibly bullish for Ether, the asset. And I don't even think we've come up with a model for that yet. Yeah, the most bullish way to articulate this is that go to CoinGecko, uh, filter out all tokens and only do layer one chains. And as you go down the market cap stack, think of like all of those things, those special purposes, things that those chains do. And Eigenlayer allows Ethereum to eat all of them. That's like the most bullish articulation about what Eigenlayer does. Yep. Um, nom, 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 it's, nom. it's definitely possible. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Some takes this week. This one from Ann Olson. That's A-N-E dot ETH. May 2016, Ethereum launches on Coinbase. May 2023, Coinbase launches on Ethereum. My, how things change. This, uh, to me, is God, a perfect... That, de- that deserves so much more likes. This is a, a, a part... Well, I, look at me. I didn't even give it a like. There, there, there you go. Um, this is the perfect articulation of the protocol sync thesis, I think, which is... Yes, it does. Yes. Yes. Uh, the most credible, neutral technologies sink to the bottom of the stack and become the basis and the foundation for everything else. Coinbase right. was started before Ethereum, and yet now it's building on top of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. that's incredible to me and uh yeah it, perfect articulation of, of what we've been talking about when, when did we develop the protocol sync thesis that was like 2019 i think so four years ahead of it pretty like i'm pretty sure this was one of the main articulations you said like eventually coinbase will build its own chain yeah and it will use its own chain to produ- produce its products and services that was like yeah. a prediction that you I had no idea at the time we had no idea it would be on a layer two the concept of layer two wasn't really didn't even matter that is a, as an aside detail is the idea is that protocols slip under banks and yep. that was the always the articulation uh yes. and so like this is what this is what it means to be a thesis driven media company man yeah sometimes sometimes <laughs> we're, we, we get things right Ryan. <laughs> sometimes we do here's something else i think we'll get right david this is my tweet why don't you read it Ryan Sean Adams says, the secret to success in any bear market, one, learn, two, build, three, accumulate. That's it. Walk us through this, Ryan. Yeah, I think um, that's really your job in the bear market. You're listening, Mm -hmm. so this is a bear market for you. Um, And you got to do those three things, learn, build, and accumulate. Number one, like learn, find people that are smarter than you in this space, tune into informational resources that are trusted, that are long-term oriented, that have ideas and theses, and back those things up with research rather than kind of the pump and dumps. Use as many DeFi protocols as you can. Travel in a pack in a community rather than alone. You'll learn faster that way. Join chats, join discords, follow um, people on crypto that you respect and want to learn from. That is what learn means. And you have tons of time to do that during the, the bear market. Um, secondly, build. This is applying your talents, your skills, whether you're um, a podcaster, maybe start a podcast or come on a podcast. If you're a writer, write something. If you're an artist, uh, create art. If you're a musician, do music, experiment with NFTs. If you're an engineer, my God, there's so much you can do with that skill set. If you're a front-end designer, if you're an organizer, you can go- you can organize things, you can govern things. There's so much that you can do by apl- applying your talents in this crypto space. I know, David, that's very much what you did when you kind of entered in that, you know, 2017, 2018 era. Mm-hmm. It's like you're really good at communication and, um, you know, like talking about narratives. And so you did these things. 
And um, that progressed from kind of like, you know, part-time type work to it became your full-time gig. There's a massive opportunity to build. So much needs building and uh, so much is getting created right now. And you have the opportunity to be on the, the ground floor. And then third, don't forget to accumulate. Don't forget to buy. <laughs> this is important. Don't forget to buy the assets that are going to appreciate if your ideas around learning and kind of the building um, phase are successful. You have an opportunity to get a piece of, I'll call this equity, not in the Gary Gensler security equity uh, line of thinking, but more in like in the upside of this entire industry. Sometimes, David, I, I see people that... Um, they've been in crypto, they've done incredible things, they know all sorts of things about it and they've built it, but they've made the mistake of not accumulating along the way, right? So they don't get to share with the rest of the community in that upside. Make sure you don't become one of those people. So whether that means dollar cost averaging in, uh, again, don't risk more than you can afford to lose, but the percentage will vary depending on like who you are, your stage of life, your risk tolerance, all of these things, or lump sum, I mean, now is the time. It's still a bear market. Now is the time to accumulate. You don't want to accumulate during the top of the next uh, Pico bull run. You want to accumulate mm-hmm. now. So that's it. Like anybody else who's selling you other things of like 10 secrets to getting rich on crypto in like 90 days, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Ju- that's all garbage. Only three things you need to do. This is proven. This is tested. Everybody who's doing well in crypto that we know, David, has done these three things. Learn, build, and accumulate. And the last mm-hmm. thing I'll say is um, these things are all on you. It's stuff you have yes. to go. Yes. You're not going to get spoon fed this stuff. You have to go pick up, take some responsibility in yourself and, and do it your own. Uh, there you go. This turned into, um, you know, RSA dad talk. But um, I, I love look, it. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. And you have time right now. You're listening. You're here. You can go do these things. Don't wait. Yeah. And I'll just add, this isn't necessarily easy to do these things, but it's also not necessarily hard either. And Agreed. it is fun. And it yeah, is fun, fun to do it along the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so like, it's just a very simple roadmap. Don't overthink it um, and make sure you have fun along the way. There you go. Uh, that's what David always reminds me of, to have fun along the way. And this looks fun. Yeah. I'm sorry I this missed it. What are we looking at, fun. David? Yeah. yeah, so we had the uh, first ever Bankless Nation meetup. The Bankless Nation met- manifested in real life. Uh, sometimes network states uh, of what this is certainly becoming, Ryan, uh, had it manifested in real life at a brewery. Uh, Man, it was awesome, Brian. Yeah. It was also packed. Look how many people there are. There was like over 150 That's people incredible. there. Yeah, it was. It was the energy. So, what's the was vibe? Great. How's the How's the Bankless community doing? How's everyone doing? The, it was so many different people from so many different walks of life that all had like different reasons for like what why they like Bankless and why they listen. Uh, and so like there were people from, from Asia talking about like, uh, people from Korea talking about, Hey, like I do a lot of translations of bankless content into other podcasts and other newsletters. Uh, the bankless Brazil guys were there. They're always there. Bankless they're, Brazil is more bankless events than you Brazil. are, dude. Oh man. That's amazing. <laughs> they're there every single time. Anthony Cezano was there. Yeah. We had a ton of previous guests. Uh, we had the, the Alpha Alpha boys, my friends from, uh, from San Diego. Uh, it was just a really cool time. Uh, I, I realized like halfway through, I was like, Oh yeah, there's a microphone in a stage. Age. I'm not used to going on a microphone alone, but like, I got to say something. Uh, so I hopped so on what'd stage you say? and just you say, thanks uh, everyone for coming. I said, yeah, thanks to everyone for coming. And then I kind of stole, told the story of like, yeah, Ryan and I just started the podcast and newsletter with the intention of making content. Uh, but then we hired a few people and then, and then we hired a few more. And, and then I said like, Hey, if you're from HQ, everyone raise your hand, uh, and then introduce the HQ one by one by one. 
Uh, and uh, I was able to make a big thanks to all the team that was able to support this. Cause like we, I would not, we would not be able to do organize a meetup without the actual team behind us. Totally. Uh, and so this particular East Denver is the, the event where the bankless HQ team has showed up the most. Uh, I'm we're currently in an Airbnb that we're calling the bankless dorm. Uh, because we have <laughs> six or seven other people here. Uh, so we got Luke and Dave helping me record content, which is why the in real life conference interviews are going to be the highest quality, high production interviews that and we've ever done. And even though they're there, they're still going to get you this roll up out. Yes. Too. Yes. I'm, you know, doing Dave's that sitting work, right here. Work. I'm looking at him right now. God He's bless you, over Dave. At me, giving me a wave. And then there's Chrissy <laughs> who is uh, handing out all the po apps and like talking to everyone in the Bankless Nation. Uh, so, uh, this is, uh, I think the choice Ryan to move beyond just a fun little, uh, lifestyle business and grow this into what is becoming a, a network state of sorts, uh, I think was a good move. That's and we really cool. Doing it. I, I know like, so I haven't met as many of, of you guys, Bankless Nation in real life, uh, as I'd like to. Um, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the times that I have, it's always felt like just like instant connection, like kindred spirit, like, mm-hmm. uh, different place in the world, maybe different language, mm-hmm. all sorts of differences. And yet we're all kind of like one group that is going West together. Yep. Um, with, yes, under it's the, the most ethos. diverse group of people from all around the world, from all with these various values, like, yeah. different interests, interests and like meaning and purpose for being here. Totally. Yet everyone just like gets along so well. It's that's really amazing. Really cool. I love it. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, so I, that's, that's what I'm excited about. Is that what you're excited about? That was your, that's what's what excited about? about? Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what are you excited I guess, about, Ryan? David, I'm excited about how uh, this this bear market is shaping up. Like, I don't care what anyone says. This is my favorite bear market ever, maybe the best ever. Uh, and that's because the tourists are gone. The settlers are here. They know why they're here. We have product market fit. We're not going to run out of money this time. I think mm-hmm. we're like fairly well capitalized. This was not the yeah. case in 2018 and 2019. The riffraff and the scammers are quiet. They're either going to jail or they've fled to, you know places where they can't get caught and the builders are building. And I think that's what you're seeing at ETH Denver is just a whole bunch of builders getting together more than Mm -hmm. ever uh, during this bear market. They're not dismayed by what's going on. They're not put out by um, the regulators. They're just heads down building. And so that's why this is one of the most exciting times. Honestly, I've been in crypto and um, I can I can say that like, I don't know that. I mean, 2017 was exciting. It's kind of like discovery, 2018 and 2019 were kind of a grind of figuring this out and finding product market fit. 2020 was exciting because it felt like some of the thesis was com- coming true. 2021, uh, things were starting to go off the rails. First I half hated, of 2021 was great. Second it half was of great. 2021 was a slog. Totally. And then 2022, I was just like, it sucked. It, I was very yeah. disappointed with um, with yeah. 2022 and all the shenanigans that that went on. 2023, it just is feeling like it's shaping up to be my favorite year in crypto yet because yeah. we got the settlers, we got the product market fit, we got a little bit of money, we got funded, uh, and so now we're, we can we can head west and build out this movement and be ready for uh, the next wave of adoption. So that's what I'm excited about this week. Yeah, the only thing bad about 2023 is Gary Gensler, but there are so many ways to turn that evilness that Gary Gensler is bringing to us is into something like really, really good. Like it's, we're banding together. We're learning to fight in the Capitol Hill. Uh, and I I think he's going to level up lemons out of lemonade. He's going to level us up, man. It's one boss. It's not the final boss still, but it's a boss fight. And so, okay, bring it. Let's do it. And like everything else in crypto is coming together. Yeah. Yep. Uh, David meme of the week. I haven't seen this yet, but uh, I did see the the parent tweet. So this was you and Anthony Sassano. It says caption this. 
as David mm-hmm. in his jacket and Anthony, you guys uh, together at ETH Denver. So um, yep. I think we're about to look at a caption. Yeah. 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 So this is the third time I've met Anthony Cezano in real life. Uh, it, like I first saw him at ZK Day and gave him a big hug, but then had to run off. I was like, oh, that's my one of my best friends that I haven't seen in so long. But like, shit, I got to go talk to this person. But then I got to come back to him. Uh, but it's just like so fun, like how casual it is. Like, oh, Anthony in real life now. Uh, but it's always <laughs> so good to see him. So we took a photo and I, I put out this uh, caption, this uh, header on the photo. Yeah. And we're about to look at the winner. This is the winner. OK, let me look at this. <laughs> OK, <laughs> this is Gimli, of course. Lord of the Rings. Thank you. You told me I'd like this. Never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. That is uh, Gimli saying this. <laughs> And of course, the, Gimli is, of course, Anthony because of, you know, the beard, the big, the big, big <laughs> I beard. It. I get mm-hmm. it. Well, you guys are not opposing tribes. You guys are the s- same tribes. So you're both dwarves. Yeah, but we're just super snarky with each other. Yeah, we're like, we're like, we're like brothers who, who fight all the time. Yeah. All right. Gimli yeah. and his brothers. Yeah, he's a yeah. lot of them. Big dwarf. Fan, so I'm, you know. I'm like a loss and he's Gimli. Uh, that's awesome. I'm, well, I'm that, an elf, apparently. Of, of course, you'd want to be legless. I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry for that, Anthony. <laughs> David loves you, though. <laughs> well, well, Anthony was a big fan of this response as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right, guys. That's been it. The ETH Denver edition. I guess next week we'll be talking a little bit about ETH Denver, too. But um, mm-hmm. David's getting well, Because like, the conference is actually started <laughs> right started now. Yet. I am r- literally about to run off to Shelling Point to give my talk and then ETH Denver conference for the rest of the day. So you boys got to leave. Yeah, we'll get some content to you guys, though, pretty soon. So you'll feel like you're there. Um, Risks and disclaimers, got to let you know. None of this has been financial advice. It never is. It's not legal advice either. Who knows what a security is? I don't even think Gary Gensler knows. I have no idea. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.